0: turn in your Bibles over to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. So, uh, we're talking about um, getting some deep roots spiritually. Okay. Um, This is not a fast process. Okay. Um, It's sinking down. We're Hopefully for the rest of our lives, we are committed to sinking down deep roots into God's Word um, through obedience, through following the Holy Spirit, right? We, but, but without thinking about it, when we're not intentional, when we're not thoughtful about it, it doesn't happen on its own, right? I mean, we get older, but we don't get more mature, right? And so that's what we're really zeroing in on, not a behavior necessarily to develop deep roots but really digging into what's going on right inside of each one of us. What's going on deep inside, okay? And here's the deal about that is, I don't have, I don't know what's going on inside of you, all right? You and God know what's going on, okay? And it takes some courage sometimes to really look at this, because these are some pretty um, stout things. But more than anything, um, please, um, let's come together to be people of prayer i don't mean just having a great quiet time i mean we depend on god for everything like man i you know one of the things that's been helpful and i think that it's god has just revealed it to me over quiet times and different things is i get up in the morning and my attitude pretty much is i got this i there anything i do during the day that's particularly hard You know, I drive down to a coffee shop or I drive over to somebody's house or I hang out. It's not super hard. And you want to know what? You probably wake up and do the same thing. I got this today. What's the big deal? I go to work. I go to work every day. Okay. Except what the Bible teaches. I don't have this. I don't have this. Okay. Because I'm not just trying to live life. God has said, no, you're going to be my minister of reconciliation. That's what he said to you too is you're going to be my minister of reconciliation. And when you think about that, that is the biggest of big deals. And so when we wake up, when we go to work, when we live our day out of going, man, I don't have this. I need God to give me wisdom and give me the right heart and to change just the way I think, okay? And so hopefully uh, you're digging into this. Hopefully you're, you're developing like some really deep habits of fasting and prayer. Okay, we're going to talk more about that. But last week we looked here at Matthew 5, uh, verse 3, the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are. Does anybody remember, okay, hopefully you do, what that word means? <laughs> we can't describe it. <laughs> it's indescribable, right? There's not a really good, the truth of the matter is, there's not a very good English word for it, okay? The, the Greek word is very which this happens in a number of cases, it's just much fuller. We could use probably two or three words to describe it. But it's really hard to just transfer it right over. Do you remember what, it, what the meaning of it was? Maybe a sentence or a <laughs> thought behind this? This is huge right here. Huh? It was, it was happy,
1: happy, exceedingly happy.
0: For yeah. yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that. Exceedingly happy emotionally, you think? No. Yeah.
1: It's a, It's a. I mean, it, it's it's a, it's a, it's not a. Ah. Right. I
0: just at it. Right. No, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> right, What's that? <laughs> if if we had just a video of that right there, that'd have been that'd have been great, you know. What, what we get kind of messed up on a lot of times is we automatically insert, like, um, American emotionalism into things, right? Which is, oh, blessed are, that means I'm going to be happy. That means when I'm not emotionally happy, okay, something's wrong, all right? But it means more than that. It means deep fulfillment.
1: Yeah, so, so I mean, the, it's, it's uh, supremely blessed. You know, fortunate, fortunate well, off happy, prolonged yeah. form
2: of poetic life. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, it's just,
1: that's
0: what the actual tree means. Yeah. It's, it's but, it right, it's this idea of really a deep fulfillment is what it's meant to come across as, okay? Yeah. And I guess I like to think
2: of that as
3: having joy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a a joy, again, joy isn't like if Jody could do the noise again, that would be great, you know. But joy, like a lot of times, oh, that's joy, when it's this deep sense of calm confidence, right? It's this idea of, man, I I get who God is, and I get what he's done, and I trust him, and I have hope in him, right? Um, So this is why this is such a big deal. You want to know what? Everybody in the whole wide world wants this, Everybody does. That's what we want. When, when our desires go off the rails, we're still trying to look for this, like this deep fulfillment. Okay? And we talked last week about this, blessed are the poor in spirit. And here's where God gets all messed up, right? Is this doesn't make sense, right? Blessed are. You will be deeply fulfilled. You will have a deep sense of, 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 of joy and contentment. When you're poor in spirit. Can you describe poor in spirit to me, maybe in a more succinct way? We talked about it last week very descriptively. What would you say? Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. What's poor in spirit?
4: You talked
0: about like, like a spiritual beggar. Yeah, right. That's perfect. It's this idea of, here's the deal. Ask yourself, have you been a spiritual beggar this week? A spiritual beggar, like, I don't have to, I I need more. Like, I'm desperate for this, okay? This is a big deal because you want to know what Jesus is about to start doing? He's about to start teaching on some morality, okay? He's getting into this beginning of this Sermon on the Mount where he's going to start talking about things, and he's not just asking for a moral ethic from us. He's saying, no, there's got to be something deep, deep, deep inside of me and you, okay? And you know where we find this oftentimes? You could probably answer that question based on what did you do when you were alone this week with God? Okay, this isn't something you're parading around. This is the idea of it starts in secret. It starts in quiet, right? It starts in the word of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Okay, deeply fulfilled. Isn't that awesome though? You think, man, that's what I want more than anything. A lot of us, you're trying to find it in in your job or in money or something like that. Being a spiritual beggar. Can you think of any other like what helps you understand that? Like a spiritual beggar would be like what? Somebody who prays, I would I would think. It would be somebody who's like, God, me and you have to talk. I don't have this. I need help. Give me wisdom, right? What else would you say? I keep thinking like No. You know how modern times you use the word woke. <laughs> okay all right okay there you go that's awesome who, who else had their hand up back there
2: yeah
0: hey man like it's not yeah I, I'm not trying to find my conviction from a podcast or a book or something like that I'm in the word of God developing a deep conviction right
3: um I think, like, realizing or, like, acknowledging that you're never out of a need for
0: Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you're always, no matter what the
3: circumstances,
0: you still, you will always need more of Him. Yeah, that's a, absolutely, right? Don't, don't you get to a place, though, after 10 or 15 or 20 or 25 years of disciple, you're not as poor anymore, right? Right? I mean, it's, that's how it is. Like, you get to a, it, doesn't it, isn't that true that you get to a point where you can just kind of chill for a little bit? No. It... <laughs> It's not true that you can't. But here's the deal is, is, is I'll bet you every single one of us are tempted in some way to go. I've been around a while. I know what's going on. I know the score. I know what's happening. I could just chill. Right. That's a right. That's the 80s version of woke. Right. <laughs> Hopefully we realize that. Right. Yeah, over and over again. yeah, that's right. That's right. So, I mean, God humbles us. I mean, so much of what we're going to learn about has to do with humility, right? It's hard. It's hard to like humility. It's hard to like humility, OK, because humility says, you wonder what? There's a good chance you did something you were wrong today. And, and that is like the worst thing I could probably say to you. You know, no, I wasn't wrong. I got all the answers right today. I did everything right today. Don't make me feel bad about myself. Humility goes, you know what, man? I, yeah, there, there were probably way more times I wasn't like Jesus than I was like Jesus. And, and understand what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean that you live in sin. On my best day as a disciple, whatever that looks like, on my best day, do you know how much grace I need from Jesus in order to have a relationship with him? On my best day. Okay, So understand, I'm not saying that Oh, you just go send it up and and hopefully we're humble about that. It's that, no. On our best day on planet Earth, understanding the desperate need for the blood of Jesus. The desperate need for that.
4: I was just thinking too, like I was thinking about the psalm that talks about as the deer pants in the water. And it made me think too about whenever Jesus was talking to the woman at the well and talking about the stream that, you know... Will continue to flow, you won't ever be thirsty. And I think I was thinking about being poor in spirit, it looks like constantly sitting at that source of water and just knowing (laughs) that we're always going to need it and staying there instead of thinking we can like fill up enough for a day or a week and walk away Mm -mm. and get it, but really staying near that source, just like the deer stays near the stream because it knows it needs it for nourishment and strength. And kind of just that picture of staying near Jesus and, and, you know. Relying on his spirit all yeah. throughout the day.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. This is a big deal. Yeah, Jody. Um,
4: so I
1: think one of the things I, I've had to struggle with personally is the opposite of this, and that's I can be haughty in spirit. I can feel like I've got enough. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. Not necessarily, I would never say that. Or I would never say i have a ride from a right. standpoint. live that way sometimes that you know I've got I've got I've got enough. Right. Um, I've got enough of God. I've got enough of mm-hmm. things, you know. And, and and I wouldn't say necessarily say that with my mouth except for right now I guess I am. Right. Um, but I think maybe some of the decisions I make or some of the ways that, I, mm-hmm. that I, you know things that I do is like being pursuing God's pursuing God mm-hmm. is not the highest priority yeah. at this particular moment. And, I think
2: I'm kind, of, I'm kind of okay in
0: that regard. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've got enough, right? Why do I need to? I don't have time. I don't have time to slow down and get quiet with God. I don't have time to have some thought into how I'm behaving in my life. I don't have time for that, right? There's too much going on right now, okay? And so we started here. So here's the tough thing is, is your spiritual pulse might not nothing. I mean, you may, you may hear that, you may understand that Jesus taught that. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You may like intellectually understand that, and you're going, Keith, that does nothing for me. Like I have, I'm flatlined on it. Like i take it or leave it. It doesn't matter. I'm not super convinced that I need to even be this way, okay? That may be going on with you, okay? L- let me ask you this. First of all, if that's happening, um, I-, I would beg God to soften your heart. Th- this is non-negotiable. Okay, that's sometimes we forget. We're like, oh, but he didn't like this is one of those like, you know, arbitrary things that he doesn't really mean for you to have this unless you're really fired up. No, 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 no. This is baseline. All right, is this idea of digging into this. Um, Can you just will yourself into it? Do you think? Can you just go, man, I am going to try so hard to be poor in spirit and by golly, I'm going to forced myself into an emotional situation, you know, I mean, you're going to go home and listen to some sad songs, and you're going to watch some sad YouTube videos, and you're going to be like, yes, my heart is getting softer. No, it's not, all right? You, can you do that, do you think? I, I don't think so, but what, what do you think? What would you do if, if, if it's just not a matter of willing yourself to be more porn spirit, and, and you come to this realization that you're like, this is non-negotiable? Okay? What would you tell your brother or sister to do what would you say if they came to you and said man I got nothing Yeah. Um, I
3: think it, this honestly for me gives a kind of a new definition to denying myself and realizing the <coughs> is like, with fasting and how I always it, like oh I'm denying myself giving this up but it takes away that oh I need food I need water and like I mean yes you do to live, but for 24 hours, like you're gonna be fine, and just recognizing, but you do need God 24/7. Like that is something that you actually do need all the time, and so looking at it that way, it is almost like it makes me want to practice those other spiritual practices even more. So I can just constantly be denying myself in a way that it's so like, oh my God, like I'm gonna say no to this. It's like you know, like I'm softening in a denial way. It's like okay, like I recognize that this isn't what i need or this isn't
0: the end-all be-all or what i'm striving for like i can go without lunch it'll be fine yeah right um but i can't go without god yeah yeah absolutely i mean there, there there's a component to this is me denying me which it might be our greatest idol in our life is us right it really might be
2: switch that gets flipped on and off, you know, I, I right. think it's more of a, uh, it's a continually like fleshing it out more mm-hmm. deeper yes. and, and learning more about what this means as you walk forward and, Absolutely. and, you know, if I was to tell someone, you know, I, I would say, man, sit down with someone who is that way and... Because I, I feel like this is also a very relational thing. It's yeah, not just right. when I'm by myself. Yep. And so I, I think this is something <clears throat> that we can learn from one another as well from Scripture. Absolutely. As well
0: from Absolutely. Yeah, it's huge because can you think of all the implications as we're spiritual beggars, how that starts affecting relationships? I mean, can you imagine... You know when Jesus says, "No, I, I came to be a servant, and I'm calling you to be servants too." Well, it's hard to be a servant when we're not poor in spirit, because we're constantly worried about what my rights are, right? But that's not my. But I have this right for this, and I have that right for that. When Jesus clearly said, "No, no, no," see, you understand when Jesus is Lord, I say, "No, my God, you do what you want with my rights." Okay, I'll follow you. Okay, above and beyond that. So that's exactly right. We're talking about like a journey. This isn't just like, hey, I flipped this switch and I got it. This is this journey into maturity, right? Well, here's the next one right here. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Okay, here's a, think about this, is the word comforted, uh, another synonym for that word is refreshed. Okay, that's that's a word we use. We like to be refreshed. Isn't that great? You get a good night's sleep and you wake up refreshed. You know, that, that's just a word you hear a lot about. But he says this, he says, you will be deeply fulfilled. You will have this deep inner sense of happiness for those who mourn. What's the problem with that? Just let's kind of like figure out what's wrong with that first, okay? I mean, because if you just go along, you're like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. Doesn't seem to make sense when I read it at first. What's wrong with it? Do you think what 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 goes into your mind? You're going, that, is that the right translation? The is that the right word? It's, you're going, hold oh, on a minute. That's the opposite, right? Morning satisfaction. What? This is not making sense, right? What What are some other questions you have if you're going to question Jesus? Let's say when. You know, in a respectful way. I'm not talking about right. <laughs> I was like, you got me right there. It's totally, that's awesome what you just said. But if you were to ask him, hold on, Jesus, that bothers me. That's hard because it seems like the opposite. What other question maybe would you ask? Yeah. If,
2: if I'm going to be super happy, why do I have to be sad? Boy. Or like
0: mm-hmm.
2: go through something hard or like
0: yeah. grieve or, or something. Ah, oh, man. Sense. He, doesn't he say... Be joyful always? Like, does anybody else know that he said that, right? Or that Paul wrote it? Rejoice always in all circumstances. Okay, now we've got to put our thinking caps on a little bit, okay? This is where studying our Bible, um, this is why it takes some time. Because we've got to go, hold on a minute. Did he mean rejoice always? Do, do you think that God means that? Do you think Paul meant it? Do you, do, you think, do you think Jesus is serious about joy? I think so. But he says, blessed are those who mourn. How do you navigate that one?
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> uh, I guess my question would more be like when... Is, like, the yeah. blessed part. Yes. It's, I mean, I, we've, as a church, have gone through times of mourning, like, with Austin. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, like, different people dealing with different, like, mental health things. And mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, like, so, like, when is the everlasting peace and mm-hmm. joy of what, like, when does that come? Is that uh, yeah. after I die and, like, we're going to heaven? because.
0: Mm -hmm. Or is it before that? Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah, he's going, No, here, okay, blessed are those, right? He like here, in the here and now. All right. And maybe that makes it even more difficult, right?
3: I guess I think of like not being able to appreciate the good times if it had been bad times. If it's all like right here, you're not gonna like appreciate that or see the joy in that it's all at one level, you
0: know? Yeah. 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 Uh, absolutely. There's purpose. Right. There's purpose for the good and the bad, right?
2: Yeah. Well, I, I don't seek to be comforted unless mm. I yeah I have a condition where I'm desiring that. Right. So why am I mourning? That's exactly so, right. You know, what, what's making me mourn? Yeah. Uh, is it a condition? Yeah. Is it, you know, mm-hmm. what's caused me to be in this place? I think that that's
0: yeah. key. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah, Joe.
1: So I'm looking at it from backwards end, like mm-hmm. what you what you get for doing this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Very American. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> What's in it for me? Um,
1: but but what happens here is he's talking about that they'll they'll be they'll be comforted, and before that he's blessed are um, you know the poor in spirit, and morning morning this wailing and weeping necessarily like what we would do when we mourn you know when you know you know something something happens you know? mm-hmm. it's more of a to me I see it more of mourning over a spiritual condition mourning mm-hmm. over my sin mm-hmm. mourning over the the lostness of, of the world the separation yeah. of the people of God he's like blessed are those who mourn those who acknowledge and recognize and understand what they're mourning for <coughs> because I'm going to comfort them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's where their blessing, their blessing isn't going to come while necessarily while they're mourning, their blessing is going to come because God says, I'm I'm going to comfort
0: them. Yeah. So how many of you guys in here like to laugh? I love laughing. (laughs) I absolutely love laughing. We watch shows. We try to find shows that are just hilarious. Right. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like just the dumbest shows, um, What's the show I saw the other day? Angie Tribeca. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. I've, my IQ dropped 30 points. Huh? What's that? Right, you know, and, but, but, but really there was no, like, substance to it. It was just I enjoy laughing. You know what else, though, is funny about laughing and about humor is one of the ways I use humor, and maybe you do too, is um, to keep you from having to go into deep, dark places. You ever done that before? Like, I'm not going to get deeper. Because we can joke about things, right? Man, once you joke about it, then we don't have to go deeper. All right? And I would imagine there's probably a lot of people in here that are just like me. All right, Is that, I don't want to go. I don't want to go deeper. Okay, Here's the stinky part about this. God is going, you've got to go deeper. All right? It's, it's laughing. Oftentimes, humor and laughing is very superficial. And it's good. It's awesome. We need relationships. We need to have a good laugh periodically, okay? But I know for me, that's been a huge area of repentance I've needed to come to, right? Because it's too easy to stay superficial.
2: I was just reading in Ecclesiastes 7, four, where Solomon said, The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, yeah. but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth." Yeah. He is
0: having yeah. Yeah. So he's he, here's the call of the Beatitudes is Jesus going, guys, come on, let's get deeper, right? Let's go un- to uncomfortable places. You don't know why is because not only do we have a need at a deeper level, but so do our friends and our family. OK. And it's really hard when you're in an emotionally hard situation to navigate into that. Okay, whatever it is, whether it's an illness, whether it's a death, whether it's any of those things. And we're being taught here. Listen, blessed are those. Listen, we've got to dive in deeper. Okay, let's look at a few places where this actual word. Okay, that this Greek word for mourning is used throughout the scriptures. Okay, Jesus tells a story about a wedding. And they asked him, Jesus, how come your fellas don't fast? How come your followers aren't fasting? And Jesus said, the wedding guests can't mourn while well, the bridegroom is with them, can they? But the days are coming when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they'll fast, okay? There's this fasting and mourning kind of connection here, okay? Do you understand what he said? Do you understand what he's saying right here? What do you, what do you think? Yeah?
4: It sounds like he's talking about, like, they can't they can't see maybe the extent of their need for me while I'm right here with them like in the sense of when you're fasting you're realizing that you don't have the strength and you need it um, and him saying that you know while I'm here with them they don't need to deny themselves of these things to have mm-hmm. me there because I'm here in their presence
0: sure sure Any, would you add anything to that would you add anything to that, I thought that yeah
2: so we get Jesus Right there,
0: you can yes. touch him. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. 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 So there's almost this, yeah, I think you both kind of combine this really well, is understanding. And this is just one little aspect. We're not, this isn't going to define it completely. But there's just one little aspect of this word that has to do with like the location of Jesus like the actual location of Jesus, right? Because he, he's gone, wouldn't that be weird if my guys were all sad and mourning? And I'm like, I'm right here. <laughs> like, we can hang out, okay? It's all good, fellas. We're like, no, You know, this is horrible. We want to be close to you. You know, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's one of those things. We, we do that sometimes, right? It's kind of hang out and you go, hey, you know what? Like, let, you know, let, let's say me and Josh are hanging out, talking. And I go, you know what we need to do one day, Josh? Hang out. We're doing that, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, we are hanging out. You know, it's that idea of he's already there. We don't have to, we, we don't have to fast and mourn and all these things. But he said there will be a time when he's gone. Right? And he goes, then you'll mourn, and then you'll fast. Okay? First Corinthians 5, um, Paul writes this um, to the Corinthian church. He says it's widely reported that there is sexual immorality among you. And the kind of sexual morality that's not even tolerated among the Gentiles. A man is living with his father's wife. And you are inflated with pride instead of filled with grief. So that he who has committed this act might be removed from your congregation. All right? And so he's saying, listen, the, the Corinthian, the group of Corinthian disciples were like, they were awesome. Like we really got things going on straight. We're way better than those Galatians. We're way better than the Ephesians. Man, we are incredible. Do you know that? But, but it's widely reported that y'all aren't even dealing with sin. And, he's, and, and Paul says you should be filled with grief, filled with mourning over this, this idea of the pollution of sin, right? 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says, I will grieve for many who sinned before and have not repented, All right? This is a soft heart to sin of the spiritual condition. All right. When was the last time you, just, you mourned over the spiritual condition of the world you see, the friends in your life, the brothers and sisters in your small group? Mourned for many, I will, and I will grieve for many who sinned before and have not repented of the moral impurity, sexual immorality, and promiscuity that they practiced. Then in James 4, he says, you've got to love this, right? This is the gospel. Be miserable and mourn and weep, right? Now let's go and spread the good news, okay? He says, your laughter must change to mourning and your joy to sorrow. Humble yourself before the Lord. and He will exalt you. Um, so this means something, right? He's not saying, you know what you need to do? Is just be miserable. Don't be grinning. Don't be laughing. Don't be thinking this is all good. Don't be grateful. Don't be any of those things. But But here's the thing about kind of this this distinction he's making about how to live life, right, is, you know, when you just kind of live like everything's going to be fine. I'm just, life's a party. It's awesome. No big deal. I'm not worried about anything. It's all going to turn out great. You know, it's just about how can I have more fun? I need more fun. I need more life. And he's going, you know what? You don't understand the depth of depravity of this world. All right? The very thing that put Jesus on the cross. Right? And he's going, stop laughing. Right? Stop laughing about that. And Get real about this stuff, okay? Because here's the deal is, and you've tasted it before probably, is sin is filthy. It'll give you, like it makes, hopefully, I hope that you feel this about Sin wants to kill people. Sin wants to kill your brothers and sisters and your marriage and all these things, okay? And God, it really is looking down in a number of places. Actually, turn over to Amos chapter 6, okay? Amos, good. You're like, Amos, is that in the Bible? Oh, boy. Okay. It, because he, here's the thing about these, these Beatitudes. Man, they are hard-hitting. Right? Because it's, again, we want to have a good time. We, we want to have a great time. We want or whatever, but... He said, hold on a minute. It's got to change. You've got to change uh, to mourning. Um, Let's read in Amos chapter 6 here. Okay, he said, whoa. Okay, when you hear that in the Bible, is that good or bad? There's no, it's worse than bad. Okay, here's the truth of the matter is, and I want you to just be honest. You be honest with you. God could send you to hell this second right now if he wanted to, and you would be totally justified. You go, but God, I got baptized. What are you trying to do? No, 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 no. Is the sum of how we've lived in this world. He has every right to do that. And he's saying, well, like, you don't know what? Stop laughing about it, okay? Woe to who? Those are complacent. Those who are at ease in Zion. Complacency? That is, is that a thing for us in, in, in the U.S., in Clemson, Is complacency a thing? Here's what he's saying. He's saying saying this. This right here should pierce us so deeply. He says, woe to those who are, at those who feel secure on the hill of Samaria. The notable people in this first of the nations, those the house of Israel comes to cross over to Kalna and see, go from there to the great Hamath and go down to Gath of the Philistines. Are you better than these kingdoms? Is their territory larger than yours? You dismiss any thought of the evil day and bring in a reign of violence. They lie in beds inlaid with ivory, sprawled out on their couches and dine on lambs from the flock and calves from the stall. They improvise songs to the sound of a harp. They invent their own musical instruments like David. Boy, this sounds great. Comfortable couches, hanging out, eating some great lamb, if you like lamb, you know, Calves from the stall, musical instruments, drinking wine by the bullful. They anoint themselves with the finest oils. Like we don't, we don't spare anything. I've got to have the best. And man, I, I can't work that hard because I just get stressed out when I work. And if I have to get up too early, I'm just stressed out. And I can't behave well when I'm stressed out because life is hard. It is hard but it's usually hard for the other 85% of the world that would trade places with us. Go <laughs> you know, hard? You mean it's hard doing what y'all do over there? With all of the amenities? Here's my fear on this, is that there will be some of us, there will be disciples that we know um, who will blindly dismiss this to their destruction. I absolutely believe that. Okay. this isn't we can't sit here and go, man, I'm really glad I'm not one of those people. If I'm complacent, if I'm sitting around just like, hey, it's going to be all right, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Right. I don't. Gosh, come on. You know, they're way worse than we are. And you know what they need to be doing? They need to be in like the armchair quarterback and just give me some more wine. And I'm always like walking the line of being half inebriated. Disciples would never do that, though, right? Right? Like you, like you totally, well, no, I don't think I was drunk. You want to get serious? (laughs) Like that's the, that's complacency is how, how close to the line can I get? How close can I get? Because you know what? It was no big deal for Jesus to die. It was no big deal. All right. That's who he's talking about right here. says, no, no, go spend your money on whatever you want to spend your money on and go walk the line of sin. And don't worry about that kind of stuff. And he's saying, no, no, whoa to that. Okay. That's what we're talking about here. He's saying, man, it's time to mourn. It's time to be real about sin. Like, like, yeah, it's fine to have a good time, but man, this is about getting real, again, first in secret. right? In a secret place of getting a, an, an idea of, man, how, what's going on with me? Let me get a little deeper so I can find out, man, what is going on in there, right? Uh, wow, I think sometimes this is, we can, we can mistake this sometimes. Oftentimes we mistake the fact that we think God wants us to be happy. Like he's like that, that what he saved us for was to give us the perfect job, making the perfect amount of money with the perfect, you know, all the perfect friends and the perfect church and all that kind of stuff. Then I'll be happy. Then I'll be really zealous for him. He said, actually, you want to know what? He wants us to be Holy. He wants us to be deeply, holy, distinct, set apart, okay? But it kind of gets us messed up, right? Because things don't go our way, then what happens? What ends up happening spiritually? What do you think?
2: We can get tired. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That's what I'm to say. Right. It's like, man, I am trying to do everything.
2: Trying to pursue righteousness per se, but right. just trying to I'm just tired of yeah. just staying away from stand up. And yeah. not being simple and yeah. supporting it and it starts the way you can.
0: Yeah. Down. Yeah. For sure. I mean it's that idea of going, well, when is when is that fulfillment gonna come? When is that happiness gonna come? Because I'm tired of just like avoiding bad things, right? Yeah. 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 yeah is the
4: wrong it's like you
0: don't even have faith at all. Is God against happiness? No, I don't think he's against happiness either. I think the ultimate goal of our life can't be when he makes me happy, that's when he's happiest with me. Okay. So here are the things. As, as I was studying this out, it's this idea of, you know, can you think of a time when you just desire, like, You just spent time praying. Just, I just want to be with you, Jesus. I just want to be with you. Please come back. Please don't, you know. Have you had those times? And I don't mean uh, like just this necessarily sad, depressing kind of thing, but this idea of I, I love Jesus so much that that's all I want. Like there's nothing that can, I just want to be closer to Jesus, okay? He says that's what we mourn for. Um. Do you ever mourn for the spiritual condition of the church? You know, we have a really weird idea of what the church is supposed to look like. And what's really interesting is is that, um, you know, we can go to conferences and we can have all these statistics about all the greatness of the church. What's interesting is the conference that Jesus had in Revelation, it didn't sound like that. All right. Do you know what I'm talking about? right to the church in Laodicea to the church in Thadera, to the church in Ephesus right he's going hold on a minute there there's some things have you mourned lately over that i mean i don't mean complain about it i mean mourned over the condition of the church right mourned over the condition you want to know what when we're comparing ourselves to other congregations you're not mourning this isn't happening when you're jealous of other con- when you're jealous of other groups you're not m- the spiritual condition of the church is, listen, Satan is attacking the church, All right, Just because we meet together doesn't make us, like, immune to Satan's attack, right? Do you mourn about the idea that you want to know what? I think the soil is a little shallow in the church. I want you to think about that, okay? I want you to think about that. I don't want you to, I don't want you to be like, oh, you're making me feel so bad. But the truth of the matter is, is I think that this tempts us to be shallow to be shallow about what we, what we care about, what we have faith in, to be shallow about worldly things instead of plunging in deeper and taking a chance on faith, right? Stepping out courageously on faith. It's just stay spiritual, stay superficial. I think we do that, okay? And then per, just, a, just your personal spiritual condition, okay? This is a hard one because... You're going, my, this doesn't help my self-esteem. Right? This doesn't. I mean, listen, I've read books that says you need a high self-esteem to be happy in this world. Okay? Except Jesus tells us, no, no, no. What you need is a high self-worth. Right? And Jesus said, man, I purchased you with my very blood. That's how much, in God's eyes, you're worth. Isn't that great? They go, man, that's how much he purchased every person for right? But then realizing, man, I am a rotten soul in so many ways. Romans 12, 3 says, you know, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but have sober judgment. Okay, what does that look like practically? What do you think? What does that look like in your life? If you're going this is, if somebody were to ask you, teach me what that looks like in your life, to have sober judgment, to not think too highly of yourself. What do you
3: think? Um, just think about the fact that none of us are too far removed from sin to, like, call self, you know, out for something that we ourselves aren't too far removed from and
0: just having that perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of a humility, a perspective of, man, I'm, you know, we're a decision away, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not haughty. Right, those kind of things what else would you say to have a sober judgment of your character
3: um, well sometimes like I don't know if this is what you're yeah. but when like I'm having when I'm talking to someone and they're working through something and then I'm sharing with them, um, you know like uh, advice or comfort or whatever that same at that same moment you're having the realization that the only reason you're able to help that person is because you're exactly the same yeah You just happen to be in the middle of it right now. Right. So you can be the voice of spiritual reason. Yeah. But, like, there's going to come a
0: time when that same person's going to have to kind of do 180. Yeah. That man, right. Hey, I'm just a beggar. I love that saying we're all beggars showing each other where to get food. Yeah. I'm just a beggar, right? I mean, there's, you know, this is where I found food in that situation. Right. This is how I came out of that. Okay. But it's that idea of man, let me have some real sober judgment. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. A constant pursuit of getting help for yourself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. In what way? Like specific? like what would you say? Like specifically specifically
2: uh talking to other people about what's really going on in your yeah. life. Yes. And the sin that's in
0: your life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And here's the thing. It's huge. It's just this being in the lightness, right? Is this idea, man, I've got a like, the stuff has to come out for people to hear and to see. And it's not just the things that I did, right? Because you, you might could go through a whole day and go, I may not have committed a physical sin today. But did I not do something that I knew Jesus would do in my place? Did I not do something yeah, I ignored this person. I treated this person horribly. I didn't love this person. I, I treated, you know, whatever. And you're going, boy, that's the sin of commission and the sin of omission. Right? I just didn't do what I knew Jesus was going to do. Right? And here's the deal is, is what Royce is saying. Um, nothing kind of cleanses more than light. Right? If just get it out. Yeah. Talk about it, man. You know, that, that is probably the best medicine. All right, Pray about it with one another. So here's the thing, you know, that we're that we're talking about here. This is pretty amazing, though, is because it says, wow, there's like this direction for mourning and grief, though, too. It says godly grief produces something. OK, godly grief actually produces something in us. Repentance that leaves no regret. Right. Do you have any regrets? Think about it. Do you have any regrets? Godly sorrow produces a repentance that leaves no regrets. It leads to salvation, but worldly grief produces death. Just worldly sorrow, you know. But this is a big deal right here. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be refreshed. Blessed are those who mourn. Well, man, you mean there's a direction for this mourning? There's a direction for this grief? There's a direction? Yeah, it produces repentance. Isn't repentance just when you do something wrong? Man, repent, You know, repentance isn't like going to the gas station every time the tank is empty. Repentance is a lifestyle. Repentance is a change of mind constantly. Like I'm constantly changing my mind to think about something the way Jesus would think about it. Right? And it's saying that's what godly grief produces, a reality, a sober judgment. They're going, wow, that's not how Jesus thinks. Man, I want to change that. I don't want it to be that way anymore. And he goes, you want to know what? You're going to be comforted for that. Yeah, a yeah, yeah. worldly grief? So worldly grief would be, or in some cases, worldly sorrow. My kids aren't in here, so I can say this, okay? <laughs> but we've all, this is something we've all done, okay? You're sorry because you got caught. Like, you wouldn't have been sorry, but you got caught, right? It's like, man, I, I got you. No, you don't understand how sorry I was. Would you have even said anything if you weren't? Probably not, right? It's just, I got caught. I'm not really sorry, but I'll say sorry, right? That doesn't lead to any repentance. That leads to just covering stuff up and all that. So good question. Can you think of a verse in the Bible in the New Testament that that puts repentance and refreshment together. Can you think of one? Rack your brain, okay? When think about that, huh? Okay, what confess your sins another and pray for each other. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you have that idea of like okay, I like refreshing confess your sins to one another. Okay. Anything else you can think of? Any other verse? Acts three, like, <laughs> Acts 3, right? Which says? It says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, and that times of refreshing may come from the Yeah. See, that's the deal right there, isn't it? It's this idea of there's this whole direction of mourning. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be refreshed. And there's this direction it's pointing us to, which is Repentance. He's like, man, repentance and confession, it's going to just bring refreshment. Have you, ha, I hope you have. Have you experienced that before? You know, where, where you're just like, oh my goodness, I cannot tell you the weight that's been taken off. I, I can't tell you, you know, there's a confidence, there's a joy, there's a, you all know what is, is when you're on the, when you're on that side of being comforted and refreshed, that's almost when we really understand what it means, blessed are those who mourn. Because we're going, man. I feel so much better, not because I'm something great, but because God is awesome. Because I don't deserve this, right? Um, and so th- this is the thing. This is hard. I hope I hope it's, it's kind of burrowed into our heart a little bit. You know. Um, I hope it's it's scraped away maybe some things. Um, any any last thoughts before we finish up? Anything that you're going? I don't know about that. Were you going to say something?
3: I I was thinking of um, in Ezekiel chapter 8 and 9, there's this this story of um, Ezekiel being like having a vision that God gave him and showing him the state of what was, he was already in exile, but um, he, he gets to see how God's viewing what's happening in Jerusalem and the idolatry and how even like the elders are secretly and they're supposed to be leading the people mm-hmm. but they're in secret bowing down to idols like hoping that changes like it's just messed up the women are doing crazy stuff everybody's there's so much that is like not holy like gone away from God's ways that he called them to be and then God lets him see all this and says keep keep looking this is even more detestable. you're going to see even more and at the end of seeing all that, he says that he gets to see um, God call out and say, "Come near, executioners of the city! Each of you with a destructive weapon in his hand." And he sees these men come, and some uh, one of them has like a writing utensil. And then uh, then it says, "The glory of the God of Israel rose from above above the cherub." where it had been, to the threshold of the temple, he called to the man clothed in linen with the writing equipment at his side, Pass through the city of Jerusalem, the Lord said to him, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan, some translations say uh, mourn, mm-hmm. over all the detestable practices committed in it, just this idea that there there are so many involved in it, and yet there are still some, it's that remnant he always talks about, there are some who see it and they're grieved. They mourn because they realize the state, like the Amos, where they don't grieve the ruin of Joseph. They, There are some who can see it, whether it's in themselves or what's happening in the city. Yeah. And I love this section because of how it reminds of the those who mourn, they will be comforted.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: He says, go put a mark on, on those men who who do more and what's going on. And then it says, He spoke as I listened to the others, pass through the city after him. You follow the man that's marking those who mourn, and everybody else don't show pity or spare them. Slaughter the old men, the young men and women, as well as the older women and little children. But do not come near anyone who has the mark. Now begin mm-hmm. at my sanctuary. Yeah. And I think I, I was studying trying to figure out what that meant one time, and if something I was reading pointed to that, that that is the true mm-hmm. idea of you may live in it, you may be a part of it, but if you see it and mourn and God will comfort you, He, he the destruction and punishment came on all those living within it who didn't, mm-hmm. but the ones who saw it and mourned, he saved, yeah. he passed over, and yeah. that idea that they grieved for a while, but he spared them like Mm -hmm. wow that's comforting yeah uh, to say the
0: least yeah absolutely That
3: like ties that together in my head of what he's talking about Mm
0: -hmm. absolutely so one of the things that's important is mourning isn't complaining right it's not going you know okay I'm going to mourn I'm going to complain about how bad the world is (laughs) that's mourning right no it's the idea of mourning is um, engages us in spiritual activity Right? Mourning breaks our heart over the condition of people. Mourning makes us cry out to God, please use me in your mission. Right? That's what real mourning is going to do. It's, just, it's not just complaining. It's not just moping about your own sin or complaining about how bad the world is or whatever. It's please use me. Like don't let another second go by that you don't use me. Okay, it's, just, it's a cry. It's a crying out to God. Okay, so anyway, whoo, there's a lot there, right? I mean, that's, everybody's like, I'm not smiling. There's no way, okay? Um, But hopefully, listen, find a secret quiet place, consistently dig in, um, pray about learning what these mean, okay? Believe me, there is nothing on this planet that is worth missing this, nothing, Okay. Um, Last questions before I finish up. Anything? Nothing? I just think
4: that it's never too old to change.
0: Yeah. We're never too old to change. That's exactly right. Right. But yeah, and then
2: I think it can be overwhelming at times. Yes.
5: Probably just mm-hmm. using this, but it makes me think of the parable of the workers in the vineyard, mm-hmm. and the one yeah.
2: that
5: came in the beginning of the day, and then the ones yeah. that came at the very end of the day. And yes. They all received the same pay, and, yeah. and some struggled with that. Yeah. They didn't feel like it was worth it. Mm-hmm. But really, I, when I think about that with us, I think about it when I think about people who don't become disciples until mm-hmm. late in
2: life, yeah. like,
5: but, it's, but they still did it. You yes. Know, like no matter what their life was before, but yeah. I, I guess I think about that even now while we're talking about this, it's like, yeah, I, I can't take for granted yeah. that I'm gonna make it just because I'm, mm-hmm. just because I did make that decision and I'm still here and I'm doing things, but, but when I, sometimes when I see how I've just kind of yeah. not stayed in touch and not yeah. stayed really deep, mm-hmm. kind of feel like, oh. Yeah. Mm-mm. He wants me to feel that way for, I think, a little bit, but I think, well, uh, I think the overall thing is he wants me to have hope
0: that yes. I can still change it. Yeah, absolutely. I, still change I don't think that will ever stop. Mm-mm. That will ever nope. need to stop. Yeah. I mean, I can stop it. By yeah. Just
5: That's, rushing it off. Like, we've got mm-hmm. to do that.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. So I thought... That's said, really good. If you want to... So... That's a really great. If you want kind of an anchor verse to that, um, Revelation three sixteen, where he says, "You don't realize that you're wretched, poor, pitiful, blind, and naked." But I counsel you come and ask me for gold, for the stuff to the salve to put on your eyes, for the clothing to put on. Okay, and so it's it's Sue. It's like what you're saying is this idea of we can have a sober self assessment of ourselves that is meant to point us in the direction of Jesus going, ask me. Like, I I want to give you better than you could give yourself, right? What I have in store is better than we can gain in this world, okay? So that's a good anchor verse for that one, so we don't just kind of get overwhelmed and kind of can spiral into, oh, my goodness, I'm horrible, and I'm never going to be used, when the opposite is what God is trying to, to help us understand.